King of glory, O Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, you search out your sheep and protect and provide. You, Lord, are God. You made us and we are yours. We are your people and the sheep of your pasture. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning to you who fill this beautiful worship space and to those of you who are with us online, hopefully warm and comfy. I am Cindy McCluskey, a deacon candidate here in the Diocese of New York, and I'm in my third year of diaconate formation, applying for ordination this January. God willing, and with the consent of the people, I will be ordained to the vocational diaconate May 18th, 2024. You might ask, what is a vocational deacon? A vocational deacon is someone who has discerned God's call to the diaconate. It is not a stepping stone to the priest. The deacon is one who proclaims the gospel to the church, one who interprets the needs of the world and brings the needs of the world to the church. The deacon assists bishops and priests, administers the holy sacraments, preaches the word of God, does missionary and pastoral work, and is especially called and responsible to minister in the name of Christ to the poor, the sick, the suffering, and the helpless. The deacon is called to have a ministry outside of the church. I am discerning a call to hospital chaplaincy. So how did I get here to Ascension? On most days, the bus, the ferry, the subway, and lastly, my feet. But in all seriousness, when I asked to be placed in Manhattan for my final year of formation, by the way, I do live in Staten Island. I was given the names of three churches. I asked several, both laity and clergy, what they thought of each church and if they would be beneficial, beneficial to my diaconate formation. And of course, they all were. I prayed. I asked the Holy Spirit. I then emailed Mother Liz and we set up a meeting. After a meeting with Mother Liz, and of course Finn, I never contacted another church. And I think you all know why. I am thankful for Mother Liz, Father Ed, Mother Posey, and for each of you. For, all, for your welcome, your prayers, your faith, your instruction, and your willingness to love and serve God in all that you do. There are a couple things I've learned along the way of discernment and formation. One, that there is work to do, and we are all called to serve God in the church and in the world. 
and that clergy and laity are all on the same journey. And two, personally, I need to be humble. This, the vocational diaconate, is what I am called to do on my life's journey. I do not need to be recognized for doing God's work. But that is not always easy, and it was definitely a paradigm shift for me. But I can tell you, joy abounds. So when Mother Liz assigned me to preach today on Christ the King, I could hardly believe the gospel set for today. Literally, it is the epitome of diaconal gospels. And I thank you, Mother Liz. Lord, when did we see you hungry, thirsty? When did we see you? School and my parents taught me as a child to see the good in other people. Sunday school taught me to see Christ in people. And it isn't always easy. Not long ago, I learned that the Benedictines teach to see others as Christ. That was life-changing, at least for me. Lord, when did we see you hungry, thirsty? When did we see you? It is in the ability to see Christ as the least of these not just recognizing Christ, but responding and doing something for him, giving oneself for the least. To paraphrase Deacon Carter Hawley, it underscores the centrality of and describes the diaconal ministry which, we, which belongs to the whole church. Ministry that belongs to the whole church. We are called as resurrection people to be in community with one another. We are commanded to love and to love God, to love one another. If we love God, we love God's creation, every bit of God's creation. Love is an action feeding and clothing and housing and being present with and fighting for. How well do we love? Walking through Union Square a couple Sundays ago, I heard an evangelist shouting with rep about repentance and sin. He isn't wrong, but I just wanted to shout back, it's about love, how you treat others. Love is powerful. The kingdom of God spreads through love. And as Bishop Curry says, if it's not about love, it's not about God. Unfortunately, not all choose to live into the ministry to which they are called. Jesus called them the goats. I often say that the disciples just haven't been getting what Jesus is saying. They've been with him for three years, and it's getting close to the end. Using this parable, Jesus makes them sit up and listen. Jesus is not playing around, 
and neither should we. Jesus is making this crystal clear that we will be judged on our reaction to human need. God's, Jesus' judgment does not depend on anything but the help we have given selflessly, not for merit, only for the sake of helping. We give, God delights, and joy abounds. I always like to tell the story of St. Francis of Assisi, who abhorred lepers. He was wealthy, high-born, and yet he was unhappy. But one day, while on horseback, he met a leper described as loathsome and repulsive in his illness. Something made Francis jump off his horse, and he wrapped his arms around the man. And when he looked at him, the face of the leper had changed to Christ's face. Where is Christ? Christ is here. Take a moment. Look at one another. See Christ's face. Jesus, beloved, Christ, servant, teacher, Messiah, almighty, son of man, shepherd, God, master, the word, Lord, judge, king. Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of glory. I cannot forget that today we celebrate the free feast of Christ the King. And I paraphrase, the feast of Christ the King and observance originating in 1925 originally celebrated the last Sunday in October, was moved to the Sunday before Advent in 1970. Today, the gospel extols Jesus Christ's sovereignty over the kingdoms of heaven and earth. The collect echoes biblical passages that name Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords. As we prepare to enter into Advent, a time of contemplation, self-examination, and anticipation, Christ the King reminds us that the one for whom we wait comes to us not only as the child in Mary's arms, but as God's anointed, the Messiah to whom we offer the loyalty of our lives and the humble reverence of our hearts. May the celebration remind us of Christ's sovereignty and inspire us to go and do the works you, Father, have given us to do, to love and to serve you as faithful witnesses of Christ our Lord. Our Lord. For Paul writes in his letters to the Ephesians, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Verna Dozier, the author of The Dream of God, believed that God has a dream, and we are the realization of that dream. She said, 
the dream of God, is that all creation will live together in peace and harmony and fulfillment. All parts of creation. And the dream of God is that the good creation that God created, what the refrain says, and God saw it was good, be restored urging her readers to live into their high calling as co-workers with their creator, working for reformation in the church and for justice and compassion in society. She believed we are called to follow Jesus, not merely to worship him. We are to be about God's business. I love the idea of being a co-worker with the Creator. Last spring, one of my first patients during my second clinical pastoral care unit talked about God having staff. You know, God has staff. They are the ones who look out for others. In her case, it was legalese and contracts helping people to understand what they were signing. And she talked about others, those who feed the hungry, minister to prisoners, assist the elderly, care for children. God's staff. And I shared with her the dream of God. William Barclay says, the individual and the nation which refuse the dream of God will find their own dreams shattered also. The dream of God is pretty tough to do in this environment of doom and gloom, the political frenzy, climate change, war, violence, natural disaster, newscasters that can make a rainbow seem like a tragedy. I quote loosely from President Biden, who said on Thanksgiving Day, we need to stop the rancor, to bring the nation together and treat each other with a little bit of decency, with kindness. I agree. We do need to stop the rancor of President Biden. We do need to bring the nation together. We need to bring the world together. We need to stop hate. We need to stop being pulled into situations where the truth is not being told and not listen to the media that just stirs the pot. We need peace, God's peace. We need to love one another. And that is where the church, we the people of God, the resurrection people come in. We simply cannot bury our heads in the sand. We need to let the world know that we are God's people, and we need the world to see that we think much of what's going on is wrong. How we treat our veterans, our elderly, our asylum seekers, our poor, our prisoners, our children. How we treat each other We need viable solutions. We need viable solutions that do not harm or separate. We need them now. 
peaceful prayer vigils, letter campaigns? Unfortunately, I do not have the answer, but I do know we need God. The truce in Gaza ends in just one more day. What will happen Tuesday? Yesterday, my husband read a statistic to me that clutched my heart, that almost two times the number of women and children have been killed in Gaza since October 7th than in Ukraine over the past two years. Believe me, I do not discount those who have been killed in the Ukraine, nor do I discount the men who have, been, have died fighting. Dear, dear God, something must be done. At the end of this week in the church calendar, we end the season after the Pentecost. Next Sunday, we begin Advent, the season of preparing and waiting. Preparing and waiting for the Christ child, the newborn king that today we have just recognized and proclaimed king. Instead of being caught up with the hustle and bustle and all the stress, let us focus on the coming of Christ the King and the dream of God. We are in need of God in our lives more than ever, and we need to love one another, remembering it wasn't just a suggestion. So oftentimes we see and read on Facebook utter nonsense and cruel hatred. But the other day I saw a post, a painting of two women from behind, holding a child, each of them, and holding each other's hand. By their dress, one woman is Jewish, the other is Muslim. Alongside the picture was a poem written by Rabbi Erwin Keller, dated October 17th, titled, Today I Am Taking Sides. Today I am taking sides. I am taking the side of peace, peace which I will not abandon, even when its voice is drowned out by hate and hurt, bitterness of loss, cries of right and wrong. I am taking the side of peace, whose name has barely been spoken in this winterless war. I will hold peace in my arms and share my body's breath, lest peace be added to the body count. I will call for de-escalation even when I want nothing more than to get even. I will do it in the service of peace. I will make a clearing in the overgrown thicket of cause and effect so peace can breathe for a minute and reach for the sky. I will do what I must to save the life of peace. I will breathe through tears. I will swallow my pride. I will bite my tongue. I will offer love without testing for deservingness. So don't ask me to wave a flag today unless it is a flag of peace. Don't ask me to sing an anthem unless it is a song of peace. 
don't ask me to take sides unless it is the side of peace. May each of us and the world know God's peace as we serve the Christ in each of us. Amen.